Hi, I'm Joanne Dicknair, Meemaw, with It's Storytime, Meemaw, and answered prayer for stories that point children to God on the Truth Network for Kids. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just a few seconds. Enjoy it. Share it. But most of all, thank you for listening to the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here now. Welcome to Masculine Journey After Hours, and we are excited about the topic this week, but this is a very important eve, and I know we covered it on the last show, but if you didn't listen to the last show or if you're listening to them out of order, you can't miss this eve, can they, Robbie? No, it's Mother's Day Eve, meaning that tomorrow it's Mother's Day. And so that does include, in case you're wondering, your own wife who might be a mother, and from what we understand from Jim, saying that you're not my mother is not a good answer. <laughs> it's not. That'll make them for a mother of a day. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. And then there's daughters and sometimes even granddaughters. But the chances are there's somebody in your in your life that would really love to be honored for, you know, what they're doing as a mom. Maybe a sibling, right? You right? have a sister that's is a mother, right? And so you have all that. <laughs> anyway. Aunts. I mean, we could keep going down the list. Nieces. I mean, there's others, but we could keep going. Andy, you want to tell us about the topic that we're talking about today? Yeah, y'all are about to destroy it. All. Was... <laughs> Let me guess. Is it about mothers? It might be. Let's just say, since we've opened it up beyond mothers, but just the whole um, female gender, right? If they're a mother, that's the whole point. Right. A niece can be a mother. Uh, yeah. My yes, niece yes. is a mother. We're going right. to honor females, but we're going to honor mothers. I, for I was sure. talking about mothers yep. that just so happen to be female, which would go right. with the mother thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, we talk a lot about masculinity here, so we are talking a little bit about the impact of femininity into our lives, our mothers in particular. And just, uh, we, you know, we've done other holiday shows, and I just, I'm not, I, you guys may have done it before I joined, but I can't remember us doing it. And I just, you know, my mom's had a lot of input into my spiritual growth and life, and you know, I just thought it was would be a good thing to do to honor them. Um, we talk about the father wounds and the blessing of the father and finding God as the father, and there's aspects even with God, God, you know, that uh, motherly aspect. But you know, sometimes I just don't think we we uh, talk about it as uh, amongst ourselves. I thought this would be a good topic for the show. So. Are you done? <laughs> I like to I like to give everybody. You I want to make sure everybody knows what know knows what the show's about. Yeah, so. you covered it well. Yeah. You covered it well. All right, so I have a clip. It's a 16 second clip, and as we talked about, good thing because we don't have much time left. Oh no, it's <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll rush through it. The no the uh, as we talked about in the last show, it was very difficult for a lot of us to find clips on our mom. Unfortunately, Robbie had a clip of his mom talking, right, which makes it a lot easier in that regard and a lot harder in other regards. Uh, but I really struggled. I, I thought about this topic. We've known about it for a few weeks. And I struggled, and every mom that I could think of in a TV show or a movie may have an aspect 
of my mom, but it was not my mom, right? And I didn't feel like, you know, saying this is my mom here. And so I just was kind of prepared to not have a clip. And then I was looking up some stuff today at lunchtime and found a clip from an interview. And it probably was for a church, I'm guessing, but it was asking all these young kids, uh, elementary school age kids about their mom asking questions. And I settled on this question that you'll hear right away. Uh, it's just the one question. What did your mom, what does your mom always say to you? And so we'll come back and talk about it. What is something your mom always says to you? Be good to your friends. She usually says, can I have my room? How was your day whenever I get home from school? She says, Lula, she loves me. I love you. And for me, the the last three answers was my mom. Right? I thought it was interesting. There were six answers there, and half of them were, I love you. Right? Or she loves us. And, and as I think back at my mom, and, and I lost my mom same year that Robbie lost his in 2016. And um, we did do a show at Christmas that year on surviving uh, Christmas, you know, uh, without a loved one. Uh, but other than that, we really haven't talked a lot about it, Andy, to your point. You know, for me, my mom was always about love. Uh, it does help that I was the youngest of six kids, and so she had a lot more patience with me than she had with the others. You know, hearing stories of my brothers, you know, that mom was quick with a backhand and would use it. You know, um, I didn't fortunately get it very much, or if I did, God's sparing me from that memory because it wasn't the most important thing. A, I probably deserved it, or A, I really did deserve it if I did get it. But it was more her desire to always know that regardless of what was going on, regardless of what we were going through, she loved us. Back in the time when I lived in California and I couldn't call her because it was long distance. You know, it was back in the days where you actually had long distance and couldn't do, you know, when I would call her, she'd always go, she, was, she always knew. She'd say, what's wrong? You haven't called me in a while. And I know you don't call much, but you usually call and say, I love you, so what's wrong? And so she had this intuition that she would draw things out of me and then just love me through it. Uh, growing up, I, I don't remember my dad ever saying I love you, and I didn't realize that till about seven, eight, nine years ago, something like that. And I asked Mom about it because she was still alive, and she said he, he probably didn't ever say it because he never really said it to me, you know, uh, his, his wife. And... Uh, just growing up in that, probably the last thing I'll share on that is it was so important to my mom for the last four or five years that she was alive. She had told me uh, about four years, you know, when she first started doing it, she said, I'm going to make sure I'm the last one to say anything when we're talking and I'm going to say, I love you. Because if that's the last words that you ever hear from me, I want you to know I love you. You know, and, and even when you know, we were with her in the hospital and um, she got to the point where she was unable to talk before she passed away. She would sign in some way, I love you, you know, um, to all of us. And so for me, it's a legacy of love. Mom wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. But man, love makes up for a multitude of things. At least I heard that's in scripture somewhere. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so uh, she did love me well. Yeah. I think I echo the same thing when you started talking about that. I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to think of my dad. Did he ever, you know, like a hug? I love you or anything like that. No, but like from mom. Oh yeah. Constantly. You didn't get out of the house. You didn't get to off the phone. You didn't get anywhere still to this day. You know, fortunately I still have my mom and yep. 
I love you. I love you. It's always there. It's so constant. And you know it's genuine and it's basically, like you said, unconditional. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like for all the things that I did not to deserve it, I still get it. So it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It is wonderful. And it really speaks to, you know, George Floyd's last words. I've thought about it in all week for some reason that, you know, here he was. And what did he cry out for? Right, he was, he was crying out for his mom, yeah. um, in in those last moments, and you know that that idea that comfort that's available only from my perspective from mom, you know, you know that was just that was the very unique thing that she had for you, and always did, but you know in Danny's case he has the story, and so you know we we need to hear the story. <laughs> So we don't get out of this after hours, you know, without hearing the story. So here you go. Well, Danny, yeah, you you can you can take it down a notch. <laughs> take it down just a notch. Just there. a notch, yeah. Well, we, we were talking about you know mom being loyal, and and somebody mentioned you know you protect your kids, and mom's always loyal to us. But there was an incident after my first marriage went down, where my mother, who was five six, maybe one hundred and thirty pounds. Soft-spoken lady. Anytime you'd meet her, just sweet. Was talking to my ex-wife on the phone. And all of a sudden, there was a six-foot-eight grizzly bear mama on the phone. Let me tell you one beep thing. You beep. If you come over here, I'll beat your beep. And I went, that's my mama. (laughs) (laughs) Did you doubt it in any way, though? That that's what would happen if that. If oh, there would beyond a shadow of a doubt, somebody was getting buried on that property that yeah. day if she showed up. I was pretty sure of that. Yeah. And yeah. my mama was going to go fix dinner, and we were all going to sit down and have a meal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Jim, I was going to respond to. I mean, having a parent, either one, say "I love you," is wonderful. I didn't get a lot of that when I was a kid, but I was shown it by my mother and father. I knew I was unconditionally loved because I did all I could to challenge that, and they came through every time. Uh, I don't know if you want to get to the fingerprint. Go ahead. Or we won't. But <laughs> when, when you said that, my immediate reaction was, uh, she never left a fingerprint. She'd leave that to Dad to use a switch print. But uh, my mother grew up like Robbie's in the— Great Depression, and there was nothing so messed up that it needed to be thrown away. It wasn't hoarding. She could lay her hands on everything in the house, but anything that had a chance of being useful was kept. Uh, I'm not quite a hoarder either, but I'm not nearly as neat, and when I need something, I can't find it, so I go buy more, and then I've got plenty of it two days later. But uh, I am exceedingly frugal, and for those of you that Need to look that up, which I know I have several friends here that do. Uh, the that one, the that better word is yeah. cheap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that word I actually knew. So that that was one. Um, the question I'd asked before we left the other uh, show, the radio show, was you know where can you see your mom's uh, fingerprints in your life, right? And so that's part of some of the same stuff. But before we get to that, David, you wanted to share a little bit about your mom, didn't you? Yeah, you you had said about the fingerprints of life and I've been sitting here thinking about you know the impacts and my mom I'm a mama's boy and 
looking around the room, it looks like pretty much everybody else in here is, <laughs> is a mama's boy as well. Um, but, you know, the, the impact that my mom does on my life daily is currently, um, you know, with, with my uh, wife and my daughter. So um, my daughter is from my first marriage. Uh, my wife is obviously not her biological mom, but she can see the unconditional love that my mom has continued to give me throughout my entire life, which in turn makes her give uh, Ashlyn unconditional love. Mm. So, um, you know, my mom has prayed for me my entire life. I would, you know, had problems as, as a baby and then growing up and, um, you know, just, just ultimately, you know, she just had not an impact in my life, but an impact on my life and continues to do it. So mm. that's pretty much what I wanted to share about that. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate that. Robbie. So I have a story. <clears throat> I know you're shocked. <laughs> Well, I was, um, we moved to Chicago from Colorado and I was wearing blue jeans and that kind of thing. And as a result, I got picked on by the gangs of, you know, the area of Chicago and, and got beat up quite a bit, <clears throat> which my mother did not take nicely to. And she was, you know, trying to figure things out and whatever. But anyway, one day, uh, Billy Kilmer, you may have hear, heard this story before, he, he was not the quarterback. This was the Billy Kilmer that, Kilmer that, Got that was the bully in the in the school at that time. He squished my lunch, and uh, for whatever reason, even though I knew he was the head of whatever gang, I decided that I wasn't going to take that anymore. And I punched him right in the nose, and as a result, it started to bleed a little bit. And it was right before we got on the bus that day, and there was a lot of snow on the ground, and everybody was like, "Oh, fight, fight!" You know, Dilmer, you know, Kilmer's going to show, you know, Dilmore whatever. It, you know, as soon as we get off the bus, and so man, like the entire school. Uh, Lincoln Junior High there in Naperville, Illinois, was on, waiting for this huge fight between Dillmore and Kilmer, whatever the situation was. And I remember thinking, I am fixing to, this is going to be bad because this is supposed to be the one toughest kids in school. And so we get off the, the bus and I'm just thinking, well, I know that his nose bleeds pretty easy. <laughs> and so, man, I just started punching for his nose. And, and every punch just went right to the nose and just, as predicted, man, he was covered in blood before he could, and the snow was covered in blood. Well, just as about the scene was looking pretty gory, Billy's mother shows up. And of course, she, you know, quickly throws me and Billy in the back of her car and takes us over to my mother. <laughs> A trip I'm sure she will never forget. <laughs> Your mom it was my mom. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was waiting on, you know, Billy was covered in blood. Right. And I'm standing there and my mom was like, finally, is this the little boy? And she takes off on Billy. Then she takes off on Billy's mom. And then she takes back off on Billy's, you know, and then she takes, she goes, and you won't even clean him up. And she goes and gets a rag. She's cleaning up Billy. Like, what kind of mother are you that you would just let your <laughs> And the net result is, like you said, Jim, I mean, I, I just remember sitting there being so proud of who my mom was in the situation. She still loved on Billy. You know, in spite of the fact she told him everything she thought about his program and told her mom, you know, his mom. But still, you know, she was her. She was herself. And, and she rose to the occasion. On, you know, it's one of those things left an imprint in my life that, she, you know, that you just don't ever forget that stuff. 
I was just thinking how bad it would have been for you if you would have had the banana pants then. <laughs> that would have been. I thought that's where you were going. To. Yeah, you had jeans on. I'm like, jeans, wow, that's. The banana good. pants, I probably bl- don't blame the guys for doing it right. <laughs> yeah, I would have joined them. Yeah, they. Uh... <laughs> if you don't know what the banana pants are, you'll have to listen to some other shows because that's what we talk about. So, fingerprints. Uh, I remember my mom, I was being picked on, and. and I was quick to fight, you know, I know you guys are not real surprised about that probably, but I was quick to fight. And so I'd been in a lot of fights and I was supposed to try to not get into any fights. And I had this one kid that was kind of picking at me and stuff. And I was talking with my mom and she's like, well, go, you know, talk to your teacher. And I'm like, eh, okay, I'll do that. And then, you know, that didn't really produce anything. And finally, after about the third time, she's like, just sock him in the nose. <laughs> just to end it. You know? And so like, all right, I can do that one. You know, but my mom had a, she had a, my mom didn't become a Christian until I was a teenager. I had become a Christian before my mom did and before any of, of my family did. And, uh, but my mom was always so full of grace. You know, she really just demonstrated that to people. And she had this way about her. She wasn't raised in the depression, uh, she was born at the beginning of the Depression, but my dad had grown up in the Depression. And so, man, you, you, you could make meals out of anything, you know, and you could use that same piece of bone for about four meals, I think, you know, because it ends up being soup, you know, way down the road. You know, after you've ate all the meat off of it, it eventually becomes some type of soup, you know, at the end. And um, just the way that she loved on us with the little we had, you know, it, it was a testament to her. I think uh, growing up, I didn't know I was poor because I never felt like I was poor. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to live off government cheese. We had to, mm-hmm. you know, do some stuff. We didn't make much money. We only had her income. My dad was disabled at that point. But I don't have memories of being poor as a kid because you, you never got that feeling in the house. You know, and if people came over, there's always food for other people, you know, that type of thing. And just her grace. You know, and I, I didn't get a lot of it, but I think the little bit that I did get, I got from her. Um, probably the only other thing I'd share about my mom is um, my mom hated sports, and I've shared it with here on the team, but she loved the Indianapolis 500. And when you grow up in Indiana, you can't watch the Indianapolis 500. It's blacked out. <laughs> and so my memories of the Indianapolis 500 from as little as I can remember is listening to it on the radio as my mom would pick Memorial Day weekend to paint because she'd paint a room in the house and it's the only time I saw my mom drink and she would drink some beer and paint and, you know, listen to the race. And so, you know, one of my traditions that I like to do is listen to the, not listen, I watch it now because I can watch it because I live in North Carolina, watch the race, work on a project around the house, you know, um, at that same time. And it's, it's, I, I won't miss the 500, I don't follow any other race. I could care mm-hmm. less about the circuit, but I'm going to watch that race every year that I can because it brings back such warm memories of my mom and time spent with her. That's right. I mean, I, I remember last year you were talking about that. I'm going to watch race. I'm like, you never talk about race, and what are you doing? Yeah. And I think you shared that story with me. That's cool. Yeah, I I will watch it. I will log on to an Indianapolis TV station and watch the pre-race stuff starting about mm-hmm. seven in the morning. You know, and uh, it's just such fond memories of my mom during that day. Definitely fingerprint, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's interesting, yeah, because for me, there's there's so many small things 
it's like you said, fingerprints. There's just so many small little things over time when you start to think about it. Like you're saying, racing. Well, my dad was into racing. My mom was into racing. My mom still watches races. She watches more than I do now because I've got so fed up with stupid sports and stuff that I turn a lot of it off and just kind of find out what goes on through her. But that brings back so many memories of us as a family. We'd go to races and do some things like that. Or if I then I'd, some of them were, I'd go with my dad. But even there, it's like sharing that with my mom was huge of this is what we did. This is what went on. Or she would, she would go to all the races that were close, but there's only a few that we traveled to that were kind of far away where she wouldn't go. But her and my dad would go to Daytona 500 together and do all kinds of stuff like that. Um, you just, all those little things that, I was doing stupid human tricks, you know, mostly on snowmobiles. That was usually what I was crashing and wrecking the most. She never would get upset, just took it all in stride, and I wasn't really in trouble. Things that I did that I, I'm still today, I'm like, does she know how, you know, stupid I was and what I was really doing? But she was just so kind-hearted toward me. So I kind of have always kind of had that instead of being the aggressor, Kind of the okay, the peacemaker. Try to try to keep things calm, and except it's. I also have the the other side where it's like, yeah, I do that for a while, and then it explodes. The cork blows off, and then I go. But just all those times when she's just like so loving and warm and gentle about things, where I'm like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, when it seems like that's yeah, a situation I wouldn't have been like that kind in. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would say mom would be called a peacemaker, and she at all costs is what we used to say, because she wouldn't let a family riff happen, and and so but um she would to literally and I learned after she passed that she had some trauma in her childhood that I had no idea. So she truly lived out of forgiveness and and peacemaking, and I think I think that has been a fingerprint in my life. And my mom was a race fan too, Rodney. And once a year, years ago, Rockingham, two weeks before the race in Rockingham, they had open house. And you could take your vehicle out on the track. And I could tell you what was going to happen before we ever got there. We were going to make laps around the track in whatever dad was driving. And mom was going to say, we can go around the track, but don't get up on the turns. And we would make two laps and stay flat. And on the last lap, Dad would bank it out in the turn, and she would scream like a banshee. So we knew that. That's funny. A family tradition. Uh, my clip was going to be from my mother's recording of her time in World War II. Uh, both of my parents uh, are, were very type A, got things done, but and both of them were in World War II. They, that's where they met. While my father was a dentist and was drilling teeth, my mother was following the troops a couple of weeks behind the invasion of North Africa, went through that, Sicily, into Italy, and she was setting up camps. And one of the stories she loved to tell, and I was going to have it with her voice, but uh, was that she had assigned to her a group of German or German POWs, and they— uh, and she was she was older than most of the other people there. She was in her late twenties, where most of those over fighting were twenties down into teens. But she took command, and they sent their lieutenant, who was the ranking member of the contingent assigned to her, 
to go talk to my mom and said, uh, and I, I'm not sure what he called her, but uh, it was probably Mrs. Den or Miss Den. But he went up to her and said, uh, my men really have a problem with you. He said, oh, what is that? And he said, well, they don't like taking orders from a woman. And her response was, well, that's too bad or that's unfortunate because that's not going to change. And he kind of wandered off with his tail between his legs. But my mother was fierce. I gave my parents uh, the test, Smalley. Did I get it right that time? Yeah, Gary Smalley. <laughs> Gary Smalley. Both of them were such strong lions that I wondered how they lived together. But they And they would fight, but they would go to their bedroom, close the doors. It'd be muffled and controlled. Uh, but taking the test was a funny thing because Dad says, I'm not, he looked at the question, I'm not going to answer these. And Dad actually liked that sort of stuff, so that surprised me. And my mother said, you will answer those. Your son asked for you to do that. <laughs> and, but it, I was the son of two lions, and I guess that's why I'm a golden retriever. <laughs> True. Anyone else have anything you want to share? I'll throw another story out there, but if anyone else has something they want to share, they can. I just, I just think back on even like grandmothers. And my all my grandparents died when I was fairly young, except for my mom's mom. And she was just the sweetest lady and just wonderful. And then eventually she ended up, you know, living part of her last years with uh, my mom and dad uh, at the house and stuff. But just that whole personality, I can see that in my mom where she's just got that same temperament. She can put up with so much from so many people and yet – doesn't get mad. My grandmother was like that. So it's just, you know, even there, just thinking about how much I enjoyed at least having one of my grandparents live for quite a while. And it was a huge influence on me too, just how sweet and wonderful she was. That's great. <clears throat> Good. I guess mine, I, you know, I shared the story earlier about um, how I came to the Lord and how mom had an influence, spiritual influence. But, you know, just par- as part of life, I was just thinking back, I've got a bunch of stories, but really just the consistency of being there for whatever the need was. I mean, weebelows, I think is what they were called. Mm-hmm. You got into going and playing sports. She was a taxi cab driver. She probably would have loved the idea of Uber back then. You know, hey, take my kid off. She was always there. Whatever I was into, she was into. Whatever gifts I, want, I desired for birthday, Christmas, or whatever she did, or whatever she could to make those you know, to ha- to to give me those, but you know, there was just a consistency. I heard, "I love you," but she showed me that she loved me as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, quick story. My mom worked at the college that I went to, and I had to see her every day because I delivered stuff mm-hmm. to her. and And she was so gracious, even though I would be out a lot later doing things I shouldn't do. The only thing she'd just look at me and say, "Rough night, son." <laughs> like, yep, and she'd say, "Okay." Just don't do it too much. All right, right, Mom, I love you. Go to masculinejourney.org, register for boot camp. Talk to you next week. This is the Truth Network.